Because he sent his word and healed you. It's the gospel where the power is in the gospel. Somebody said, we need more anointing. No, you need more gospel. So we're going to talk this morning about first love. We're going to talk about rejoicing in the Lord. We're going to talk about, actually, I'm, I'm doing this because I'm dealing with what we're dealing with in America. You know, things have changed a little bit in this nation. There's a lot more stress. There's a lot more junk on the, on the television, the internet. A lot more that we could appear to be concerned about. Well, we're not going to. The Word of God did not change just because America changed a little bit. Between now and the rapture, things might get a little bit rough. But we're not going to change. We're well equipped. Amen? So the Word of God, you're not going to open it one day and say, well, this scripture works up until 2021, and then after that, you're on your own. No, it doesn't say that, does it? Word works. Amen? So in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, I want to read a scripture you've heard many times. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I've been to church services where the service was designed around rejoicing, singing. You know, if you've been to this church any length of time, you understand we can get a little wild. And good, it's it's for all the, for the good, but I'm but I personally have been in services where I have left so drunk in the Holy Ghost, people had to carry me out. Amen. I've also been in services where after three days I didn't even get a touch from God, and I ran and jumped and screamed with everybody. Don't shout me down there because I'm preaching real good. So I'm going to ask y'all a personal question: Have you ever had a time where you came to church and left and went? I didn't get squat. If you're honest, you have. And I begin to ask the Lord, why is that? Why is it that there are times when I'm getting a move, I'm, 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 I'm getting something from you, and times I'm not? I tend to think it's on his end, but it isn't. So the other day, I was, I was reading the scripture, rejoice in the Lord, and he brought out not the word rejoice, but in the Lord. Not just rejoice, but in the Lord. What has he done? When's the last time you came to a church service and you thought deeply about what he's done? Right after I got born again, one of my favorite songs was in the church that I went to. It was a church of Christ. Y'all didn't believe I went to a church of Christ right after I got saved. But the pastor had been filled with the Holy Ghost, and he looked like um, Santa Claus. Not fat, plump, but not fat. White hair, white beard, and he sang baritone. And he would sing Amazing Grace to the tune of Danny Boy. Amazing Grace. I loved it. I would sit in my chair and bawl because of grace. That song brought so much emotion out of me that I'm where I am because of grace. Goodness of God, he did all this for me. And I would, love, and I would walk out of church. I got touched every time I went to church. But I've noticed that doesn't always happen now. 
Why is that? Is it the songs? It doesn't have to be. It could be. Maybe it's what you're thinking about. Maybe it's what you're allowing yourself where you to go in your thought life. If you're, ha- if you're depressed, don't worry about your circumstances. Change your thinking. Change what it is you're dwelling on. So having said that, I, 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 I go, go with me to the book of Revelation. The same thing is over here. Another scripture that has kind of bothered me for a while. Now, I know that you don't believe that. There's scriptures that bother me. There's probably scriptures that you, that you read them and go, I don't get it. I don't understand the scripture. Now, I'm going to read it to you, and I'm going to read it to you in a way that I think you'll understand this. In the book of Ephesus, in the church in Ephesus, um, different Bible scholars have said that the church in Ephesus was one of the largest church gatherings in Paul's day or, or in when it was, you know, in existence. And it was a mega church. It had thousands of people who went to church there. So, I mean, in their day, that's pretty decent. So, we have churches today that are mega churches, and we think they may be a little better than everyone else, and that's why they're big. Not necessarily so. Now, I want to read to you what Jesus said about this church, and you're going to find out they had a lot of really good things to say. Let's start off with verse 1. The angel of the church of Ephesus, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works. I know your labor, your patience, you can't hear, you can't bear those that are evil. You've tested those who say they're apostles and are not and found them liars. Is this church full of people who are holy? Yeah. These people are living right. These people are very holy. And he compliments the fact that it's morally sound. People coming along saying they're apostles. No, we don't care what you say you are. If you ain't the proof ain't in the pudding, we ain't listening to you. So their doctrines are sound. Their life is sound. So far, it's all going great, isn't it? All right, let's finish. You have persevered. You have had patience. You're laboring for my name and have not become weary. They're witnessing. They're casting out devils. They're raising the dead. They're healing the sick. People are getting born again in their church every Sunday morning. I mean, we would look at this and go, whoa, let's go to church there. Let's pack up and move. But he says something to them that's always kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say bothered me. I don't want to say bothered. It's been a mystery to me. So listen to this next statement he says. He says, nevertheless, I have something against you. You left your first love. Now, when I first got saved, I was kind of crazy radical. I would pick up every hitchhiker on the side of the road and witness to them. I I, I did it because I love God, but I also did it out of a sense of duty. Here's a hitchhiker. He, Jesus doesn't want him to go to hell. He's going to go to hell if he doesn't. And I'd pull over and my family would be in a car. We'd be going someplace. But now we're not going there right now. We got this bum in the car. And I'm talking to him about Jesus. And then finally, you know, he either gets saved or he gets out. 
And, and so every time there was a meeting in town where, where Jerry Savelle or Kenneth Copeland or Brother Hagin would come to Atlanta, I would get off work and drive up there and stand outside in the rain for four hours to get in and get a seat and sit and listen to the word. And I'm asking him, do you want me to go stand in the rain again? Because to me, that's first love. And I'm not doing it. I'll watch you on TV, but I'm not going to stand outside in the rain anymore to hear you preach. And I used to think, well, I can't get back to my first love. I can, because you said I can. But I had a really weird idea about this, what he's saying here. Until one day, he said, read it again. Now, I want to read it to you, and I'm going to show you. If, if you're like me, you think you can't get to your first love. I'm going to show you how, and it's easy. You want to go back? You want to keep your love for God strong? Right. Oh, well, I just thought maybe I was in the wrong church. <laughs> Nevertheless, I have this against you. You left your first love. Remember. Remember what? He's talking about what you're doing with your thinking. Yeah. See, we can come to church. We can hear sermons, and I mean, about time you hit the parking lot, you can't remember what we preached. Or during the worship service, someone's talking about the goodness of God, and you're not here. You're not. What are you thinking about? You know how to keep your marriage strong? Do you know, do you know what causes a man to fall in love with a woman? It's what he's thinking about. You know what causes her to respond? What she's thinking about. Do you know what keeps the marriage strong? Is what you think about. You can think on the good things. And listen, I'll, I'll show you how in five minutes to get all your love back. Count your blessings. Think on all the good your spouse has done. And you'll fall in love again. Sit down for ten minutes and talk about all the stupid things. And you're ready to pack your bags and go someplace. Don't shout me down. This is, why, this is why things don't work in marriages because people have not learned to count their blessings. You're looking for perfection where there isn't any. Come on. Okay, boy, I'm going to tell you right now, we're going back to the first service. They were over more. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Did you know that God is actually chasing you? You know he is? He's been chasing you for a while. He's chasing every man on this earth. Ephesians, look at this, look at chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who rich in mercy, because of his great love wherein he loved us, when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. Let me read another one to you. And this one probably will not pop on the screen because I didn't give it to her um, or him. Who's up back there? I don't know. Him or her. It says in, in Romans five seventeen, for by one man's offense, Adam, death reigned through the one. Much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life. When, when Adam messed up, God took responsibility for that. Your life was, was screwed up, really not because of anything you did. 
You were born in a world full of sin, and you were dead in sin. The first time you messed up and did anything wrong, your spirit man separated from God, and you actually had a problem you didn't create. You know what God did? He decided to take full responsibility for that, and he spent 6,000 years or 4,000 years fixing that. That's called love. This great love that he had for you and I, he went out of his way to fix a problem we didn't create. He's chasing us. He, he is a holy God, but he wants you. God is a very romantic God. Okay. Why do husbands do what they do? Why do they do what they do? Why... Why do men buy that worthless rock for you? Justin and Jordan and Joshua said it's a worthless rock because it doesn't bang, it do, you can't crank it, and you can't ride it. If you can't shoot it or ride it, it's just a rock. Anything of any value will, will, will fire, crank up, or you can swim in it. But a rock don't do any of those things, so why would you even pay all that money for a rock anyway? So that's kind of the boys' conversation with their mother, and like this beautiful ring. But why, but why do we do that? Why do we do what we do? I'm not trying, when, when, I, when I met Lisa, I found what I wanted. Now you understand, I wasn't the handsomest boyfriend she had. But it didn't matter to me because they didn't have any sense. And I watched Lisa's boyfriend. She dropped him off at a James Robinson crusade, and she parked the car. And I'm behind him, and I said out loud, I'm taking her from you. You don't have any sense. You might be tall, dark, and handsome, but you don't have any sense, and she's mine now. So I called her up and took her on a date. Now, I found out through the grapevine that they were going Dutch. Men never go Dutch with a female. You pay the bill, you drive the car, you pick her up, you open her door, you buy her flowers. Are y'all getting this? And not just when you're dating, but after you're married. Come on, I'm going to help you out a little bit. They don't want to be chased for a week. They want to be chased for all eternity. So I took Lisa to a nice restaurant, found out she liked Mexican food, drove her down to Chi-Chi's, opened the car door for her, and then we went in, and then I pulled a chair out for her to sit in. And she sat in the other chair. Now, understand to her that she'd never had a gentleman yet. So I said, we're going to start right here, sweetheart. You understand? I'm pulling your chair out. I'm pulling down. And when we get done, I'm paying for the meal. Do you understand that? She's like, a woman could get used to this. I said, get used to it because we're getting married. You know. Now, I'm doing that because I want her. I didn't quit just because we got married. Now, to me, my greatest gift on this earth is my wife. 
out of all the labor that I do, I mean, I built her three houses. I did that because I want her to notice me. I don't want to walk in the house and hand her a ring and she goes, isn't that beautiful, honey? Sit down and shut up. It might be the last ring she gets. Are y'all out there or did you go home? I'm doing these things because I want a kiss. Men, help me out a little bit. Are y'all out there or did you go home? I do things to be noticed by her. The other day, I'm going to brag on myself a little bit. I found out she had been working hard all day. So I had dinner ready when she got home. Ashley came over. I went out on the grill, and I cooked chicken, and then I fried okra. And I had it all ready when she got home. And when I got home, she went, hey. And I'm like, I'm doing this for a reason. Why do you think God did what he did? Folks, I want you to think about this. Went, went into a cross and paid your debt? That's not small. I mean, folks, that's, that's massive. When I got born again, and I'm going to get emotional here on you for a minute. All that God did for me I cried myself to sleep at night. I laid in my bed and I went, I can't believe you're doing all this. Why? I mean, I already know I don't have any sense. Why are you treating me like this? I had gotten born again. He got me a job. He got helped me sell my car. I got my pickup truck, got the new transmission. I'm praying. He's answering prayer. He heals my body. And, I, and I'm overwhelmed with grace. But he loves me. He's doing it because he wants me to love him. That's pretty simple. So in this letter, in, in, in Revelation, he said, I got a concern. Y'all are having church, but I mean, have y'all forgotten me? Are y'all out there? And I think it's easier than we would admit. So what keeps a marriage strong? It's what you're thinking about. What keeps your Christianity strong? It's what you're thinking about. You, we can get so involved in our life and the world and Corona and the Democrats and the Republicans and the left and the right. And the, the next thing you know, I mean, it's almost like, well, thank you, God, for my, I need, oh, by the way, I need one healing and an answer to prayer and get them to me right now. And other than that, I'll see you next week. And God's going, hold on, stop everything. You know, I did all that because I'm chasing you. I think he wants us to slow down for a few minutes and stop and go, have I ever thanked you for what you've done? He said, remember, when's the last time you thought seriously about all that he's done up until now? Answers to prayers. When Lisa and I built that cabin, we went a quarter of a million in the hole. We're about to lose the house. We've got three quarters of it done. We can't get a loan. The bank won't touch us. I got all of my investments in the world. I'm about to lose it. I went to God. I don't know how you're going to do this. But I need mercy now real bad. 
And I would just lay in the bed and pray in tongues. And the devil would say, you're, you're going under, you're going under, you're done. A, a friend of ours, the guy that owns the shopping center over there where our church was, I, I called him one day and asked him a question. And uh, I asked him about suing the contractor who had busted all of my windows out. Because I was mad as heck. People were tearing the house up. It was just a bad time. And he said, what do you need? I said, I need money. He said, well, come down. I'm a bank. I'll loan you the money. Do you understand? God used a man to give me a first mortgage and, and write me a check and finish the house, able to sell it. I didn't lose it. Do you understand? God is a good God. He got, I mean, that was, that was a mess. And he got us out. You know, laying on the, in a hospital when they tell you that you're full of gangrene and you pray and by Wednesday you're back preaching. God is a good God. I could, I could go on for hours of all he's done. Couldn't you? When's the last time you sat down and thought about it and spent time with him and went, thank you. Thank you. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you. When I die, the angels are getting me and taking me out of here. Glory to God. Thank you. You gave me friends. I got people in this world who love me unconditionally. You put them in my life and they care about me. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, you can have a Holy Ghost fit right there in your house and not even leave and there's no music. It's what you're thinking about. Let's go back to people that you know. Let's talk about marriage for just a second. You're married to somebody who's imperfect. It doesn't take long. to You make a list of their faults. And you can think about them and talk about them all you want to. But I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to fall out of love. I don't care how good they are. You can find enough wrong. Folks, you can come to this church if you want to. You're either going to go one or two directions. You're going to look at the good we do. Or are you going to look at the dumb things we do? And they're both here. <laughs> this is a cowboy church. We have the good, the bad, and the ugly go to church here. And they carry. I married an imperfect woman. Lisa's a very strong leader. That's good. Lisa's a very strong leader. That's bad. Because I've had to look at her and go, take your boss hat off. You're home. But I still, to this day, I do things for her because I want her to see me. Amen. Do you see that? God does too. When he said to the church, you left your first love. And then he said, remember? Mary friend was in my truck and in the back seat and Lisa and I were bringing her. And she had a prophecy for me. And I don't remember the prophecy except for four words. Walk with me again. Walk with me again. You, you can pastor a church. And, and God, oh, oh, by the way, I love you. 
Not like it was when I first got saved and I didn't have anything. Because now I got money. I got a truck. I got a car. Real easy to kind of put important things, people on the back burner. When's the last time you walked up to people who have gotten you where you are and go, thanks for standing with me. Thank you. You can count your blessings one by one. Sit back one day and just start thinking about how good God is. And I mean, it'll bring, it'll bring your soul into a revival. And that's why in church you can run aisles and jump pews. You're in church, but you're not thinking about God. You're thinking about yourself. I need a move of God. I need a touch from God. I need, I need, I need, I need. Been there, done that. Bought the t-shirt. Don't work. Okay. Go to the book of Song of Solomon, and, and um, let, me, let me make a statement to you. This is actually an R-rated book. I don't mean to shake you up, but there's sex in it. Hugh Hefner didn't invent it. And all the old women are like, that was one. We're never coming back here again. <laughs> the world has more sense when it comes to sex than the church does. Teach your kids. For this, oh, my God, before they get married, please talk to them. Tell that boy that there's nothing wrong with you. You're not a sex maniac because you like girls. Just find one. That's all you can handle, boy. <laughs> Take my word for it. It's all you can handle. <laughs> you know, I like those bull rides, eight seconds. That's kind of like marriage. See if you can last a week. Just get on and ride. That woman will take you places you've never been before. That was too much for some of y'all. That was just too much. Somebody said, I don't understand them. You're not supposed to. He never said understand. He said love them. He didn't say figure them out. You scratch your head a lot, you'll go bald on top. (laughs) And ah, never mind, y'all didn't get that. I see you've been scratching your head a little bit yourself. <laughs> All the old men said amen. amen. All right, the rest of you cowards, come along with me. Look at this right here, um, Song, Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 1. This is a woman, um, I think they just got married. I think they're, this is a time of when they first married. By night on my bed, I sought the one I love. I sought him, but I didn't find him. I'll rise now, I said, and I'm going to go to the city and in the streets and the squares. I'm going to seek the one I love. I sought him, but I didn't find him. The watchman who go about the city found me, and I said, have you seen the one I love? Scarcely had I passed by them when I found the one I love, and I held him, and I would not let him go. This girl's got um, serious issues going on in her, you know. Kind of like a Hallmark movie a little bit right here, but better. Scarcely I had passed by and I found the one I I wouldn't let him go until I had brought him to the house of my mother. I think she didn't even want to wait till she got home. Never mind. 
and into the chamber of her, her who conceived me. I charge you, O daughter of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, do not stir or awaken love until it pleases. This is a book about romance. It's actually a book about Jesus and his church. God is romantic. Just think about all the stuff he's doing right now just to get your attention. And until you respond, you won't find him. I mean, there are signposts everywhere. The cross, sunsets, babies. But the God who made a butterfly also makes thunder. <laughs> Might not want to tick him off either. Okay, never mind. I'm talking about the male. Amen. So I'm going to do something right now. I'm going to make a statement and then love is in the little things. It's not in the big things. A lot of, it's it, the easiest thing in the world to do is to find out whether someone loves you is find out the little things they're doing that they don't have to. When your wife goes to the store and is shopping all day and she says, I went and bought a pair of shoes and then I thought of you. And I got home tonight because I realized that you, you probably are hungry. You understand? She's thinking. Th those thoughts speak volumes. Or the husband that picks up the phone and says, Honey, um, I'm going to be a little late and I didn't want you to worry. I'll be there. You know, I know you worked all day. It's little things that say, I care about you. You're important to me. And we, we do it. And that's what stirs love up. It's, it's the fact that you're actually thinking about what someone else wants. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And not one moment in the time I married Lisa have I ever thought or worried about her spending too much money. It just, I don't even think about it. You know, she says, well, this is what I want, and I want an addition. I go, okay, well, let's. That's more than I have, so if I do the work, we can afford it, and then there's enough money for you to decorate. I'm not doing that for her only. I'm doing that for me. You see, she wants the addition, and I want her. You understand? That's, like, that's what makes the world run. That's what love is about. And so, so very often, I think we lose sight of this when it comes to God. We just sort of, oh, I need a healing and a Holy Ghost, and I'll see you next week. And I don't think that's a real good idea. I think a lot of things are happening because we're not slowing down long enough to go, he's really done a lot for me. And, and think about it for a while. And spend time alone with him. Amen. 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 When someone does something for you, they are looking for a response. They are. They're looking for a response. They want you to go, hey, appreciate that. When they, when, if a girl responds to a guy, that's positive. Make sure it's the right guy. All right, so I'm going to go carnal on y'all right now. May I? I need to. Add, I didn't do this the first 
service, and I'm going to do it this one. How many of you have ever seen the movie Night and Day? One? No, this is terrible. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Well, where are the rest of y'all been? All right, I'm going to go through a... I'm going to go through a romantic comedy that Lisa and I, Ashley was over the house the other night and we drug this movie back out. Now, I got to tell you something so you don't think that I'm backslidden. We don't watch a lot of movies. There is nothing that we have on our shelf that you would pull it off and watch it and there would be a scene in there that would bother you. Now, occasionally, there's a cuss word. And I, I got rid of all cuss words and I didn't have to get rid of the Jesus movie. I mean, he even, Peter cussed. No, he didn't, he cursed. So, so Lisa and I, we don't watch a lot of movies because we really want to find things that entertain us and we get through, we go, that was nice. Now, I got to tell you about Hallmark, my poor wife. I can't stand stupid romantic movies. I just can't. I sit there and I watch this movie and this, this woman is chasing this bum that doesn't have a job and dumping the guy that does because he's working and the other one isn't and he's hitting on her and she's engaged and I'm sitting there going and Lisa goes just enjoy the scenery and I said I can't this is driving me nuts I can't stand this stupid monkey and then they open a truck thing and they pull a monkey wrench out to fix the carburetor and they go under the starter and I'm going at least find out where the parts are on the truck before you climb in the truck, you know? And so Lisa's over there, just shut up, baby, just shut up. So there are movies that I say nothing, and she knows they got it right. Because I can't stand to watch a stupid movie with their stupid people doing stupid stuff. So if I do enjoy a movie, I'll tell you about it. And this one is called Night and Day. And uh, it's not a Christian movie because I, I don't like most Christian movies. I'd rather watch a heathen do a movie than a Christian. Because the Christian movies are always about how God did something to someone, knocked them in the head and killed them and gave them cancer. And they spend the whole movie trying to explain why they still love Jesus even though God is a bad God. And I go, that's absolutely ass nine stupid. Turn that crap off and throw it out in the garbage. I don't want that in my house. And they say, have you seen this movie? Well, I said, yeah, I saw it, and it's junk. Yeah, amen. I'd rather watch you cuss than sit there and blame God for your problems. Don't shout me down, okay? So, so if I tell you I'm a hair carnal, just, just, you know, this is a movie we watch, but, and it's a romantic comedy, and it's, and, um, it's um, who's the guy that played in it? Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz. And, and I know Tom Cruise is a Christian scientist and he's not saved. I get it. Yep, that's true. But I mean, I can't just leave the planet because everybody's crazy but me. All right. So having said that, we, there's this movie and uh, it's actually whoever wrote it got some stuff right about love. And so I'm going to give you the theme of the movie, not... Um, what's his name? All right. In the movie, there's a guy named Roy, and Roy is a CIA operative, and Roy has got a Zephyr and a man named Simon Feck, and he's supposed to be watching this guy and protecting him. Well, 
and the battery is a, the, the Zephyr is a battery that never runs out. And, and the other CIA agents have gone rogue and blaming him for it. And then in the process, he meets Cameron Diaz, which is June. And they think that she's in cahoots with him. So they stick him on the airplane together. And thus the romantic side of the comedy starts the romance part. But all during the movie, when you're watching the movie, here's a man that they think she thinks that he's crazy. But when you watch it, and by the time you get to the end, everything he's doing is, is to protect Simon Feck. And then because she got involved, he's protecting her. Now that's, that's quite a storyline. So one part in the movie, they're in an airplane and he has to land it in a cornfield. And then she's freaking out, so he knocks her out. She wakes up the next morning and and he's put her into bed and he made her breakfast. And when you're watching the movie, there's a lot of little things that are going on in this movie where you can see he's a very noble man. And so later he ends up, uh, she gets in another mess and he has to go get her. And he makes a statement because she wants, just let me out of the car. I think you're crazy. And he says, with me, without me, with me, without me. And then that explains to you why Lisa and I, as we leave on Sunday morning and we're going to restaurants, I'll say, with me, without me, with me, without me, where are you going? <laughs> and now you understand that a lot of our life is a storyline out of a movie. So this means that up here, she has hundred percent of living down here. That's right. So when I say we're going to a restaurant together. Or not. Going to the restaurant or not. No, I'm not going to kill you. So, so in the movie, all, all during this movie, at the very end of the movie, he, he does something uh, and makes it look like he's the bad guy in order to get her out to protect her. When it dawns on her, she goes and gets in her GTO and goes and finds his parents and and then she wakes up and goes, everything he's been doing is to protect me. This man loves me. And she goes looking for him. And then the storyline goes on. And it's a great romance story. And at the end, they drive to Cape Horn, the GTO, and, and off and then to the sunset. On the, It's a neat little story. But when you understand that even the world has a concept of love, God does that. Everything he's ever done is for your benefit. That sometimes he may even look like he's the bad guy, but he's constantly watching you. Let me talk to you about my wife again for a minute. If you watched her with the boys, she knows where they are all the time. I don't know whether Jordan's going to watch this and whether I should say this or not. Well, I'm going to. <laughs> but Jordan, one time when he got in trouble, um, there was a driver trying to teach Jordan how to do a stick shift. Jordan never did a stick in his life, even in a Mustang, until he wanted to drive a semi. Well, he had a hard time with that stick in the clutch. Well, his first instructor was mean. Well, Lisa calls the company, finds out about it, calls the company, and, and the police pull over and pull Jordan off the truck. And then take him and put him in a hotel and then get him out of that truck. And, and later he calls and says, Mama, I don't know what I did wrong. She goes, well, don't worry about it, baby. 
nobody's going to cuss you. Mama is taking care of her son, even though he's in a semi in another state. And she says, I got somebody. They're sending somebody going to teach you right. Don't you worry about it. And from then on, when next Christmas, she got a pair of bedroom slippers with bear paws, and she's been named Mama Bear. Don't mess with my cubs. I'll slap mud out of you. And so even to this day, I'll see her watching what they're doing and how they're doing and whether they're eating right. And I'll go, honey, they're men. I know. And what's she doing it for? Well, she loves them. She's let them go, but she constantly is praying and watching over them and probably will until she goes home to be with Jesus. And they better have good wives by then. (laughs) Their wives will get a set of bare feet and better take care of that husband. Are y'all getting my message today? I want to, can I tell you another movie? I mean, I actually have watched two. The other one, and all right, I got to ask the question. How many of you have ever seen Pride and Prejudice? Oh, a little more. It's the only romantic movie that I have never run my mouth watching. That's something in it, Debbie. Because it's, because it was written in the 1800s. It was written when people had sense. But I want to give you the gist of it, and I'm going someplace with all these movies, and you'll see that in a minute. This movie, oh, let me see how to do this. Pride and Prejudice, a movie written by Jane Austen in 1813, the story of five sisters whose mother's number one goal in life was to get them all married and get them off the food chain. Mr. Darcy, an aristocrat from London, looks down on the Bennett family as uncouth and undesirable. Um, He had no no respect for them because they weren't in his class. But during the movie, he falls in love with Lizzie. That's one of the girls that come from this family. But he also did something and he made a mistake. He thought his friend, Mr. Bennett, no, not Mr. Bennett, Mr. Bingley. Bingley. I knew some of y'all would know this. (laughs) Should not marry her sister. And so he kind of broke up that friendship and that didn't sit well with Lizzie. Well, during this time, Mr. Darcy is starting to pursue Lizzie because he likes her. And you understand, this is a filthy, rich man and handsome. And she wants no part of him because of his character. She refuses to marry for anything but love. This is a great movie. And so he, he proposes to her, and she gives him a piece of her mind. Now, if you've never seen the movie, you've got to watch this part. I mean, she lets him have it with both barrels and said, I wouldn't in the wildest imagination even consider a man who's destroyed my sister's life. Now, at that point, sometimes some people need to have a talk with some people. And he needed it. And even though she considers herself poor and any woman would want to marry this guy, she will not change her standards for a subpar man. I don't care if you are rich. He spends the rest of the movie fixing what he did. 
at great expense to win her. And he does. Now, if, if, uh, if you don't understand that, this is what makes, this is what makes the world go around. The, there's a guy named Jesus who in the garden realized that the problems you're in right now, he helped create. But he spent, he spent 4,000 years fixing that. Why? To get your attention. Think about this. When Paul met Jesus, he had been trying with everything in his power to please God by serving him. And when he realized that salvation was a gift from a loving God, it turned him around so violently, there was nothing Paul wouldn't do for him. I want you to think about that. When he wrote the letter, rejoice in the Lord always, he's not writing a Bible. He's writing a letter out of his heart that says, I'm going to tell you something. I met him. He is a honk, a honk, a burning love. And I am in love with Jesus. And if he wants me to go to Macedonia, I'll go to Macedonia. And if I get in a ship and I'll pray to him, he'll get me out. I know he'll get me out. If I get snake bit, I know he'll heal my body. And then I'll go to Rome and I'll preach there also. Because this love for Jesus is so strong. He's got a revelation of God. See, what's driving Paul? It's love. What... I'm almost done with my sermon. Are y'all ready? What did Jesus mean when he said, you left your first? It's the church. Everything's everything's going right. Except, what about me? One of the fallacies that's happening in this nation, we have a lot of money. It's the best nation on the earth. When's the last time you had a hard time finding good preaching? I mean, if I do a bad job, you got the internet. I mean, Joyce Myers, Rick Renner, Jerry Savelle, Mark Hain. I mean, we're the, you can get all the Bible you want. You, you have churches that are air-conditioned with nice chairs, and if they're not, we'll get you new ones. Well, what is it all about? What is all this about? It's about him. I think Americans... We've made a mistake. We've fallen in love with the gifts of God and not the God of the gifts. I think it's time for the American church to return back to falling in love with Jesus. Have I told you, thank you for what you've done? I'm where I am today because of you. You gave me life. You forgave me. You gave me church. You believe in me. I love you. Thank you. I don't even need a band. I think that's what he's looking for. I think a lot of you guys would get your prayers answered if you'd quit seeking the healing and seek the healer. I'm going to tell you one more story. Back... When I got born again, and I'm going to lose it when I tell you this. So just let me lose it because every time I go, every time I tell the story, I can actually go into that place. I know that may sound weird to your mind. That's why I don't tell the story much because I can see it. 
right after I got born again, I told you a while ago, I was telling you the, the part about, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a felon. The only reason I'm not in jail is they didn't catch me. The game warden chased me all night. I was on probation for a theft by receiving charge. They'd have caught me out of going. I was going away. God is good God. Wasn't long after that, I walked in a crusade and God healed my body. I wasn't even looking for God. My mother made me go. <laughs> she prayed me in. I, wasn't, I didn't pray myself in. Got stuck in a little church in Dorville, Georgia, where they laid hands on me. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Wasn't looking for that either. And then all of a sudden, someone gave me some books by Kenneth Hagin, and I ended up in Rhema, got called to preach. I wasn't looking for that either. But during that time, I had debts. I had, you know, this is not a lot of money now, but I had $3,000 worth of doctor bills. And when you make, a, when you make a $83 a week, you, all I can do for the credit cards is pay the interest on them. Yeah, I can't even pay that. So whatever the bill was, you know, $1,500, after I send my payment in, now it's $1,510 because it, it's still climbing. I'm so far in debt, I can't get out. But God paid it off. He got me out of debt. He got me a car. He got me a job. He just, he does all this stuff for me. And, and I'm overwhelmed by it. I'm, I'm really laying in my bed at night going, you are one good God. Yeah. Well, one night I'm laying in the bed and, I, and I'm literally, I literally cried every night I went to bed at why are you doing this? I know what I am. I mean, you're just blessing me, and I got a job, and I got a raise, and, and you're, you're telling me where to buy parts for my truck, and it's crazy, the goodness of God. And I'm laying in my bed at night, and I said to the Lord, I said, I, I, I would just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sometimes I wouldn't even remember going to sleep. Just laying there worshiping God. I couldn't wait till Sunday come. I was in church singing Amazing Grace. I love you, Jesus. So one night I'm laying in the bed and, I, and I'm talking to the Lord and I said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to climb up in your lap and I'm going to kiss you. You are so good to me. And then I got a crazy idea. I said, can I see you? And he said, no, but you can see my glory. And I left my bed, and he took me to heaven. I can't describe it because there's no English words for it. Do you understand that? You see a thousand angels singing, it sounds like a voice. And you turn to God, and he's a hunk, a hunk of burning love. And the river is liquid love flowing out of his guts onto the earth. Can't describe that to anybody. So I'm standing in heaven and the Lord speaks to me and, and, and he shows me things. One of them is I kept asking him about eternal life. What is it? And so someone threw a stick in the throne room, Aaron's rod, and it began to bud, it began to grow, leaves. And he says, nothing can die in my presence. Where I am, I am life. And he explained eternal life to me with a stick in the throne room. It's just crazy night with God. Well, I'm laying there, and I ask him, could I see him? 
And he said, you know, well, he took me to heaven. And uh, I, I used to tell people there I was there all night, but, you know, you really, the time there is not time here. And you don't talk like I'm talking now. You know. You hear him in you. But it's very loud. And you don't wonder what he's saying. So he asked me a question. He said, why don't people listen to me? And I, I said, well, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. That's crazy. Why are you asking me? Well, I found out later he wasn't asking me because he didn't know. <laughs> Took me a little while. But he wanted to know. And I said, honestly, I don't have any idea why people don't listen to me. And the second thing, he, and then when he, when, he, when he spoke again, all the angels stopped singing. It went deathly quiet. And it got my attention. And heaven's very noisy. Angels singing. You can hear ten songs at once and understand all the words. Crazy, crazy. He said, why don't people listen to me? I said, I don't know. And then he put his hands in his face and he began to weep. And when he did, I couldn't stand it. I said, you're killing me. I just fell on my face in the throne room. And I said, you're killing me. I watched his heart break over people. I got up and I turned and I could see the earth globe. And I leaned and I could see downtown St. Louis. I don't know how I knew that. There was a man coming around a bank. I don't know how I knew that. And I started hollering at him and I said, you're hurting my father. You're hurting my father. And the Lord said, well, he can't hear you. And then I stood there and I wouldn't face him. And he said, well, you're going to have to go. And I said, I know. I don't want to. He said, you're going to have to. I said, well, can I stay here? And he says, well, no. And then he asked me, why don't you want to leave? And I, and I turned to him and I said, I'm afraid I'll hurt you. And he said, you will. It broke my heart. Well, I came next morning. I woke up. I was in the bed. <laughs> my face hurt at a week because I'm smiling all the time. That's muscles that I've never used. <laughs> the glory was on me so strong. I literally, my body was glowing for, for, for weeks. And I, when I was there, I asked him a question. I said, can I come back? He said, every time you worship me, you're back. I said, okay. He said, you may never see this again until you come. But you can return anytime you want to. I went, okay. I preach this today to make you cry. Not really. I preach this today because I, I believe that the church in America really needs to return to its first love. I think all of us in this room, including me, I'm not preaching at you. Easiest thing in the world is to get caught up in, in all that we do. It's, it's very easy to do it and to put God on the burner. And I think sometimes he would just like some of your time.
and slow down long enough to go, thank you for what you did for me. And I am where I am because of you. And I think he's jealous for that. He's very tender-hearted, and he's very romantic. If you think I'm lying, watch a butterfly. There's a very tender side of God. And he cares immensely for us that he will never push his self on you. You'll respond or you'll never know him. You're going to have to respond to him. When he does something for you, you're going to have to pull away and go, I want to spend some time with you. And I'm going to tell you something. There's prayers you've been trying to get answered. They'll get answered. If you haven't seen the two movies, I'm sorry. Maybe you need to be a little more carnal. Father God, thank you for this morning. I've done the, I've done the best that I could to explain something I think is very simple. I think we need to spend more time thinking right thoughts, thinking good thoughts, keeping our mind pure and holy and noble, keeping our mind on the things you've said are good, thinking of you, thinking of others. It's easy to go negative in the world we're living in, but I think that we need to start going positive and maybe the only thing good is you and your church and your goodness. But I think there's other people around us right now and they're waiting on us to to have some good thoughts about them also. And Father, I pray that if anybody in this room right now has had some really bad thoughts going on in the head, they'd stop and reconsider what it is they're allowing their mind to do. If there's people in this room that haven't given you thought, I pray that today they'd return. A lot of our love walk is based on what we think and how we think. And I ask you, Father God, that if there's somebody in the room today that's not born again, they don't know you or they're not in fellowship, that you'd draw them home. They're missing out on a lot. And I'll give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel to our podcast to our SoundCloud and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.